All right, so the following is a conversation that Bud and I kind of had slightly unexpectedly. This is just kind of bonus content. We felt it was particularly relevant with what went on uh, throughout the course of the week that uh, we put this out on a Friday, and hopefully it's good kind of final piece of bi-week listening before we transition to our listener questions and then get back into our regular flow of the schedule. So as always, want to thank our friends Travis Johnson, an attorney at Metter and Johnson Law Firm. Travis, based out of Pensacola, works throughout the state. can be reached at 850-435-9919. Resolution Home Loans, just couldn't have been a better relationship. Uh, worked with, I believe, 40 of our listeners, including my co-host at this point. Uh, ResolutionHomeLoans.com, Chad and Shannon, a fantastic team, and have been incredible assets to the NOLCast. Our friends Madison Social and For the Table Restaurant Group, Please do keep them in mind, uh, particularly if any catering opportunities uh, were to come up in the near future. Work directly with Matt and his team. Matt at ForTheTableHospitality.com. Fantastic people, always very professional in everything they do, and uh, no better person to partner with, whether it be a podcast or a next event. And as always, Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product been with us since day one and we thank him again as i said just a little bit of bonus content hopefully you find this relevant enjoyable and uh, we'll be back with you in a couple days to look at some listener questions joining us now is didier occident uh didier is the founder of occident wealth management uh an individual who you may have seen on uh social media as he has been uh providing financial literacy and financial education uh to florida state's players for a couple years now and uh, thought it'd be a good idea to have him on in general. And then with some of the more recent news that has uh, happened, it kind of made the uh, made this even more timely. So certainly appreciate your time tonight, Didier, and uh, look forward to hearing about your experience and maybe some of the more uh, current events and what that could, what kind of how that could take shape in college athletics. Yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Ingram here. The timing really works out. Uh, we, we, DDA and I ran in, into each other, uh, I think, most recently uh, at the residence in there before the uh, the Boise game. Um, and he's like, "Hey, yep. we, we, we you got to have me on the on the podcast so I, I can talk about about the program." And I I guess that's that's really where this starts. We, I've, I've known you for a while, you know, being a big Florida State guy. But in addition to you know being a financial advisor, you you provide a, a service to a number of schools out there, including obviously your your favorite school Florida State so let, let's let's start there if you would kind of give the audience a, a rundown of of what you're doing for the schools and for the student athletes sure um, so I founded uh, secure the bag financial literacy program um, gosh about a year and a half ago now and really it came about as a small idea um, years ago as a good friend of mine, Find him on Juco Jemajay, who um, Florida State fans probably remember, um, who played under Bowden and then uh, was a senior under Jimbo, uh, Jimbo's first year. He's a great friend of mine and uh, became a client. We started kicking around the idea years ago um, when he worked at Florida State about doing some kind of financial um, literacy talk or, or something like that for the for the guys. And I he introduced me to Mark Robinson, um, who was, you know, director of football ops under Jimbo and Mark and I emailed and talked for years about doing it. And we just couldn't get the timing right. 
And um, after Jimbo left, uh, Mario Edwards, um, big shout out to Mario. Mario um, had me come down and meet the new staff, and they were amazing. Uh, put me in touch with Trey Hackett about it, and, and Trey and I just got in the lab and started trading ideas and, and talking about it. And what I found out quickly as we started thinking about ideas, I, you know, I, he'd kind of think of one and then I'd think of another one. And before I knew it, I was, you know, I, I was like, you know, this could be something that could not only be a talk, but a full-fledged program. So I went back with my team and we designed over a few months, put in a lot of hours. Um, you know, my team member, uh, Gina, GM Bruno was, was incredible putting in long hours with me, brainstorming and, and building this program out. And um, we launched it um, with the with the Florida State football team last June. Worked on it for about four months prior, and and you know Coach Taggart was was great enough to have us down and and allowed, and, and the kids really responded, and they it kind of took off from there. So we built this thing out, and um, now we're in talks with you know seven or eight different Power Five schools across the nation, and we just recently went down to Tennessee, and I fly out to with UCLA on Friday about it. So if, if you could, like, so obviously you and Trey brainstormed a lot of this. How did the first one go? What what did you learn about what kind of knowledge base that the kids have coming out of high school, right? Or, or if they haven't had a program like this before, what what kind of financial literacy are, are they actually working with uh, to, to start things? Did, did it surprise you at all? Yes, it did. So the first talk, was the first thing I wanted to do was to me I've done some some things that I'm very proud of but there's to me college football is the best sport on the planet and my thought with this was there's so many guys who used to play and I'm you know I'm friends with some guys that are in the league some guys who didn't make it to the league um, and I'm around the game a lot and one thing I noticed you know some people just feel at the end of their time that the game kind of used them, right? And and they didn't get as much out of their time in school as they wish outside of football. So one of the things that I wanted to do was create this with that thought in mind to have guys leave feeling, hey, if nothing else, what DDA did and, and what he taught me was pretty awesome and I'm gonna carry that forward with me for the rest of my rest of my life. So for me, the in founding the program Rep, to me, repetition is the mother of learning, right? So the goal, the ultimate goal of the program is to help the student athletes become elite stewards of their finances. And you do that through repetition. Just, just like they rep, have reps in practice, we want to create financial repetition. We want to create financial grit. We want to create elite habits financially. And so but I started, when I was brainstorming, I was thinking about, all right, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, my day is packed full of stuff. The last thing I want to do is just some boring speaker come in and talk about money. But at the same time, you know, I follow a lot of the guys on social media. They're always talking about secure the bag, secure the bag of this, get, you know, get money this, get money that. So my thing was this stuff is obviously important and they recognize it's important. They're all on a mission to get it. So how can I partner the need for what I do in an interesting way for them. So the first thing that I wanted to do was make it fun and engaging. 
So the first talk is about an hour long and it's rapid fire. There's a lot of cool financial questions that I ask them. And then we mix in demonstrations where I'll have a volunteer come up and we're teaching them about compounding interest. We're teaching them about budgeting. And I'm getting a, a sense for what they know just based on some of the answers that they'll have on the multiple choice questions that we're asking. And then we'll do some hands-on stuff where, you know, we, we, we have a player come up and we'll, we'll do a whole segment where we have them, we, you know, we do this thing with a prop full of uh, a bag full of a million dollars, right? That's shrink wrap and the kids love it. And they'll, we'll, I'll use that as a hands-on teaching tool to teach them about compounding interest, stuff like that. So it's, it's fun and engaging throughout. What surprised me was the, the immediate response, right? So a lot of them started following me on social media. And one of the things that we wanted to do was we created a customized budget sheet and said, all right, this talk is great, but here's the next step. So we always want to build off the previous talk. So we created a customized budget sheet with them and said, hey, anybody wants to go through their budget, me or my team, we will walk you through it. We will help you understand what you have now. And there was an immediate response, right? I got DMs or texts immediately, and that was something that surprised me, that they were this hungry to learn and immediately wanted to put this, put this stuff into action. So that was the most surprising part. I think the misnomer of athletes don't care or athletes are bad with money or all of those things are complete falsehoods. They're not any worse with money than the average person, they're just worse with money on a larger scale, right? So if you have bad habits with $1,000, you're gonna have mm -hmm. bad habits when you have a million dollars, right? So the, the, the goal of financial literacy is to change your habits so you can change your outcome. Because getting more money is not gonna make you better with money. Also it's the age- you worse with it much larger scale. The, I was thinking the, the other factor in that is like, the age with at, at which athletes get rich compared to when the average Absolutely. person might get rich, all, like also they're they're going to make more immature decisions on average because you know, like most guys who have a million bucks are are, are not twenty four. Exactly right. There's a reason most lottery winners go broke no matter what their age is. But then yeah, you're compounding the problem where you're giving millions of dollars with no real training to to people who are 20, 21, 22 years old. So what we want to try to do is meet them where they are now and help them understand where they are now. So one of the central themes is helping them understand what they get. And this kind of segues into the NCA a little bit in the sense that there's so much talk surrounding what they deserve, what's the value of their education, how much money that they get, and feeling that student athletes don't get anything. And no one can dispute they're getting their fair value based on what they bring to the table. Right, the money has gotten completely beyond disproportionate. But if someone constantly is telling you you don't have, you're not going to appreciate what you do have. So I tell the guys, while I recognize you're not getting near what your fair value is, you have to understand what you're getting in terms of real world dollars. And the NCA has made strides in the last couple of years with a lot of the money that they're giving these guys. So one of the things that I'm able to do is look and see what they get for room board, you know, Pell Grant, all that stuff, et cetera. And what me and my team does is we break that out in terms of 
real world dollars. So they, so I give them a, I let them know if you were a working person, right? If you were employed by Florida State University or insert company name, and this is this is what you were bringing home without paying taxes. This is what that would be in a taxable income, and that really gets their attention because they can start looking at themselves as an employee and realize, okay, in the real world, this is how much money I have, right? I think people would be a little bit surprised to know. I think people, they get more than people think. And I think the, the main thing I want them to do is, hey, we realize you're not getting what your full value is, but you are getting something. And here's how we can best help you manage what you do have. So when you do get to the real money, when they do continue to make these improvements, you're going to be more prepared to, to take advantage of it. Have you had any feedback from staff or, or the people over there that after your talk that the kids are having less money troubles? Right? I assume that that's got to be a concern for a school because if you think about it, if a kid runs out of money and you can't have a job under NCAA rules, how are you going to get more money if you can't call mom and dad? Right? There's only a couple options and they're either illegal or against NCAA rules. Yeah, so we... So we do talk about that. So there's a um, handful of guys that I'm in contact with constantly and, and they'll bounce ideas off me um, and say, Hey, I have this come in. Yeah. You, you know, you have any advice or what? Um, parents sometimes who, who want to, I mean, this past weekend I sat down with one of the guys and, and, and his parents and talked through how to help him, how to help him budget. So there's the, there's a lot of talk amongst parents about this and the kids individually. So they're constantly getting, um, get, giving feedback to myself or to um, Trey and the staff about that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in contact with whoever I need to to talk to them about helping them with them. So I, it, it's made a big difference for, for a number of guys I know. Do you go over stuff with them? Like, here's how to write a check? I, I'm one of the last people, I think, on earth that writes checks. So not so much that, but it is about how to manage bills and, and when they come in. I think the difficult part from their standpoint is they get paid money in chunks. It's not like a salary where you get it every two weeks. So they'll get a chunk of money and it's imperative to have a plan for that money before, before you get it. So just not just spend it all at once. Exactly. I equate it to a football game, right? So we, we, you know, we go down, we just played NC State this this weekend. We didn't go out there with the we didn't go out there with no game plan, right? You prepped all week through repetition, through thought, through game planning, and went out and executed. Money is no different. So if you don't have a game plan for when that money hits your account, well, things are liable to go sideways because you didn't prepare for that moment. So I'm trying to, I, I try to equate it to exactly what they know in terms of football because it is no different, right? I think people just think, oh, well, I'm bad with money or I'm good. Like these things are just built in, built inside of us and we can't change them. And, you know, I talk to them about simple things like, you know, you're going, you know, you go to the same bar or same club every Friday or Saturday, yet you're constantly showing up there knowing there's a cover without cash. So what do you do? You go to the ATM outside, right? You go to the ATM and pay $5 or $4 to just to get access to your own money. 
where if you simply plan ahead, you can afford, you can avoid that. So it's things like that where you're trying to get them to think ahead rather than you're trying to get them to think proactively with their money rather than reactively. How much do you think the timing of this talk kind of plays into it, right? Like, like if you give it, when did you actually give it this time? So what we did was the entire team last June, and now we've broken it out into, then it was like early enrollees, then when the rest of the freshmen get on campus. So we've got a pretty good cycle going. And then we do something specifically for juniors and seniors and draft eligible guys. So I, I'll be doing that during the bye week in November. Gotcha. I, I guess what I was thinking is like, if you gave, if you gave me this talk as a freshman right after I had blown all my scholarship money, right? Like I would be extremely interested in, in learning how to not do that again. Yeah. You know, if, if you give it to guys before they do that, you may be able to save some from blowing it all, but yet the, you kind of wonder like, look, what's the optim, what's the optimization as far as timing uh, for, for this? Like that's, that's interesting. Yeah. If we can get them right when they get in um, and the freshmen are the most, typically the most excited, most engaged because they haven't gotten the money yet. Right. So they're thinking, all right, well, how can I from the get go set myself up for success where when, you know, someone's been on campus two, three years, you're trying to get them to change habits. And then seniors are, you know, because it's the real world is a lot more relevant to them because hey, they see how quickly the time goes and they're getting ready to go, whether it be to the NFL or, or into the working world, they have a level of engagement too that, that, is, that is impressive. But I mean, I haven't really found, I mean, the guys are, they're on time, they're attentive. They, there's great participation. I mean, it, it really has exceeded my expectations. And it's something that I feel like our fan base should be very proud of. Because I, I mean, I, I've, I've been blown away um, by, by how engaged and interested these guys have been with it. Not that, uh, not that you play stock picker with a bunch of eighteen-year-olds, but do you uh, do you talk about investments with these kids, whether that be index funds or annuities or anything like that, uh, or how does that kind of conversation go? Yeah. So what we want to do is lay the foundation, right? So we lay the foundation about everything starts with the budget. I hammer a budget home. It's super boring, but money is either saved or it's spent. That's it. There's, there's only two places that money goes. It's either saved or it's spent. So I hammered that home, and then we walked them through compounding interest through some useful interactive play. And that's where guys really kind of perk up seeing how their money works for them. So we lay that foundation in the initial one, um, initial talk, and then in subsequent talks, we've talked about that. So we had guys at Florida State so engaged, we had an unofficial meeting that they – guys took upon themselves that they wanted to have just to learn more about investing. So I put something together to walk them through short-term buckets of money, mid-term, long-term, and then we went through tax, pre-tax, all that stuff. So that was something that wasn't even in the plan and guys were so interested in learning about that I created something just for specifically catered to that. Have you seen a difference in this team attitude-wise from the first time you gave the talk to the most recent time, like as, as an outsider? Yeah, I, I would say I would, well, we haven't done a full team talk other than the first one. Everything has been broken up by class. 
so I can't compare the two. Um, I will say that every time I'm down there meeting with the guys, guys are more and more engaged um, and seem to get along better. Participation is higher every single time I go down there. So they are, I, I think that's a testament to the kind of kids that we're recruiting on the team. And I think it's a testament to what, what they're trying to build. I think that, you know, I know it's not, it hasn't been as quick as everyone has thought, but I think one thing, the thing that has impressed me the most is there's a real commitment to developing these guys on and off the field. It's not just lip service. It's not, it's not window dressing. It's a true commitment to wanting these guys to succeed. And I think that the results might not have, from a on the field perspective, haven't come as quickly as we want. But I think when they do come, they're going to be big because of the fact that they care so much. So I, every time I go, I, I go there, I, I leave with a big smile on my face because I can tell what, you know, the caliber of the guys that, that are on the team and, and how much they want to succeed in every area of life. I have not had a bad experience dealing with any one of these kids. And they've all taught me something. And, and you know, I, I, ironically, today I got texts from two of the guys asking me about Pell Grant money and, hey, I, you know, my thoughts on saving, et cetera. That was today. You know, so, and I think during a bye week, they'll probably have a chance to slow down a little bit and, and they're thinking about it. So that, that feels really good. That feels really good. And you mentioned that, like, it's it's not only your program. I mean, obviously, we had you on here talk about your program with Secure the Bag. But at the same time, they're bringing in a lot of different speakers, right? Like, it does seem like there's a real commitment there to making sure the guys are, uh, you know, are, are good people and well-rounded people off the field as well as, as on the field. I mean, they, they brought in a, a, a ton of people recently, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, there is. And, I, you know, I'll talk to Trey about that. I'll talk to um, Shrod Everett about that. And they're always looking for new ways. I mean, I, I, I read great uh, business books or great culture books, and, I'll, and they're saying, you know, pass that to me. And I'll have guys on the team say, what was that book you were reading? You know, I want to get that book. So there's a real hunger to be the best and really, and really get this thing turned around, and there's a real commitment to that. That is something, as much as we talk about my program when I'm down there, we're also talking about life, about life, about how, how they can improve individually, how they can be better leaders, how they can be better teammates. So it, it, it started in my mind as something that, hey, I just wanted to give back in terms of helping these guys with financial literacy. But it, it, it's, been, it's been incredible for me to kind of be welcomed on the inside to an extent of the program and see all the cool things and incredible things that they're working on. That's, that's awesome. Why don't we transition our focus a little bit to the more recent news uh, of late and the idea that it appears as though uh, what six states so far have uh, moved in, uh, in the direction of allowing student athletes to benefit off their rights uh, while in college. Obviously, California uh, was the first to do it. And uh, it appears to be a, a movement that is probably going to only head in one direction and how much that's going to kind of change some of the maybe some of the fictitious money that you're going through with these kids to maybe some real hard assets that they would have 
uh, even earlier in the stage. And and obviously, you know, the blocking and tackling of uh, of successful budgeting and successful financial life is all the same. But how would that kind of impact your program uh, if some of that were to come into existence and some of these guys that you were sitting in front of were we're uh, already making, you know, $45,000 a year or something like that, just as a hypothetical number. Sure. You know, I, I've been busy the last few days, so I haven't read everything about it, but my first thought is I support it. I do think it, it, and absolutely if someone can go out and, and profit off of their likeness or their image by all means. However, I do as someone who teaches financial literacy and, and back to what I said from the beginning, making a lot of money doesn't make you any better with money, right? It makes you more of what you already are. So I feel like it has to be packaged with some type of financial literacy. If we really want to not just cut a check to kids and have it just give them more to spend, right? If we want this to have a lasting positive impact, it has to, there has to be some type of financial literacy that comes with it. So in that sense, it would be, I mean, I'm sure it would be an incredible opportunity for my program to go to more places and, and energize the urgency about it. And, and we could come up with new material based on, based on what kind of endorsement money they're coming in and helping them manage it based on kind of the parameters that it will be in. But I think the biggest thing that everyone needs to do with it is one of the habits of highly effective people that I, I always try to keep in my head is begin with the end in mind. So I think to pass the legislation is great, but there has to be thought about what it looks like realistically in play so that it's most effective and it doesn't turn into the wild, wild west. And, and at the end of the day, kids now got some money while they were in school, but they blew it or that kind of thing. And certainly you can't, prevent that on every level, but I think it needs to be thought out to the point of how are we, if we're going to open this box, how can we most effectively do it with the kids' interests in mind? Um, and I think that really all starts with proper financial literacy. But it looks like that 100% is where we're going, so I don't think at this point it's worth people resisting or hand-wringing about it. I think the prudent thing for the NCA and for schools to do is start looking how they can most effectively manage it. Because I think outside of, hey, this guy, um, you know, if, if there's an opportunity to sign recruits because you can allure them to the local car dealership or whatever, outside of those, those, those opportunities, I think you want to be positioned to, to really sit down with the parents and say, your child not only can have the opportunity to come play here and earn X, Y, Z off his likeness, but we're, we have a, you know, we have a financial program in place that's going to help you guys manage that. That's not going to take advantage of you. We have these parameters in place that are going to make you, are going to help you make the most of his time here and any money, money that might come your way. I, I think from an NCAA perspective, the, the one thing that they definitely don't want is to have to manage 50 different state laws on this, right? And and ultimately, it may end up getting decided at the federal level because I, I assume that's where the NCAA will challenge it. But if you're them, it would make so much more sense to get out, pass your own rule, which is probably going to 
even if you pass something that's like 80% of what a lot of these states have on the table, I, I think most states would just go along with it and then make some sort of financial liter literacy course uh, mandatory for, for student athletes, right? And that, I mean, that, obviously that could help you a lot, but it could really help the kids a whole lot because, I mean, a lot of schools don't do this. Uh, it is good that Florida State's doing it, and but there's no way they want to manage 50 different state laws in, in this. Yeah, no, no way. And I, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. But I think that the NCA would be wise, as much as they're going to dislike it and feel like it's blowing up the, you know, the amateur model, is to get ahead of it so they can be involved in it. Um, and not, yeah, not get in over their heads where they've got to manage where they're where they're playing defense rather than offense. They're a huge organization. They dedicate so many resources to compliance and at all these different levels. Um, I think, and I have, you know, maybe they are behind the scenes and they're publicly, um, you know, putting out the statements that they are about it. And maybe they realize internally this is where it's going and they've already started kind of doing that fact finding about how it would work. But if they haven't, I mean, they really, they really should because I think, this has such momentum and such steam, and I, you know, I don't think that there's any putting the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I also don't think that most of these kids are actually all that marketable, right? I mean, like, how many of these dudes actually have legitimate market value? Like, on this team, for instance, Cam Akers does, Terry does, quarterbacks by nature of the position they do. Marvin Wilson does. He's he's good on camera, but a lot of these guys the average fan can't recognize by face. And so the amount of money they're going to get for any sort of commercial endorsement is not that much. In fact, I think some of this just moves the money from under the table, you know, the, the proverbial $500 handshake from a booster to a $500 check from a booster, right? That, that, that he can write off for tax purposes, which is another really you know good reason why they need financial literacy. The, the understanding of if you're a 1099er, you may need to, to hold some of that money off to, uh, to pay some taxes come the end of the year. Um, but that's, I think it's a really good idea that, that Florida State's doing this, and I'm, I'm glad we could have you on to discuss it. So I think that's a very interesting point on the 1099, because that's where literacy is going to be so important. That's something, when you're 1099, you're not having any taxes taken out. That, the onus is on you to report that income, to take out the appropriate amount of taxes, and this gets plenty of grown grown men and women in their 30s and 40s this, yeah this will get a 35 year old much less a kid uh you know who's 18 and getting his first check it's, it's a great point bud i mean we've seen celebrities who have more money than they know what to do with go to jail for not paying their taxes so i think above anything if, if guys are going to be 1099 um, I mean, if there's any way they could be W-2, that's going to be ideal. But if they're going to have to be 1099, which a lot of endorsement work is by nature, then there has to be some protection for these kids on literacy in terms of, hey, how much do I pull out for taxes and tax brackets and all that kind of stuff, which we do cover in, in our program as well. Have you, uh, have you thought about having like a, like a tiered approach to this program to where the it sounds like, like in terms of, of the spacing, it already is is structured in this way somewhat to where your early enrollees, the guys who have gone through the program for the first time are getting a very, you know, very base level. And then sort of your 
middle class are you actually teaching them kind of a more advanced version each time since you have broken it up into new guys and established veterans and then outgoing seniors they're all getting a different course exactly yeah so what we're going to do is debut the second bye week is an actual budgeting game so the first talk team talk is to is high level and it's budgeting compound interest the importance of credit um how credit works all like just basic financial pillars principles and then each subsequent talk is breaking down and in going more in depth on each one of those so the next thing is the budgeting game which we designed which i'm super excited to debut with them i think that's going to be a lot of fun uh, we put a lot of time into that where we actually have a you know mini game where they get money to manage and there's rounds and they're going to break off into teams and they've got to make real financial decisions every round. And then we have different things that'll come up where it'll be an unexpected raise or an unexpected uh, emergency. So they're going to have to learn how to, in a group setting, break off into teams and manage their money and go through a budget. And then we've got a credit game and we've got an investment game. And then we have kind of a, we have a you know senior and draft eligible course. So we've got something that, you know, each each time you kind of graduate on to the next next one. Uh, Didi, it's something I want to ask you about, and, and this is something I, I know I hear college coaches, fortunately and otherwise, talking about. I don't think a lot of people understand this. I mean, a lot of these kids come from real just kind of abject poverty. And so they get this money from their Pell Grant or their, their scholarship and whatever, and then their family is like immediately asking them for it. And then sometimes some of the family members come and actually live with them in the dorm, right? Or at least attempt to. And that's yeah. kind of an issue they deal with. Do you talk to them about, hey, like this is how to talk to your family about how much money you actually have available? Or do you talk to them about, hey, like if you are, are going to be sending money home, this is a different amount you actually have to play with as far as your own disposable income uh, for, for you personally? Uh, so I do. That's a great question. I do speak with them about that. Um, I talk a lot about survivor's guilt, right? And the feeling that, hey, I'm, you know, you are the one from a certain neighborhood who made it and you had all these people in your corner along the way and you feel like you owe everyone. And we, you know, we see this play all the time on a larger scale with athletes with millions of dollars. And I, you know, I, I stress to them, you never, you're not, you don't want to forget where you came from or turn your back on anyone. But again, a lot of this comes down to having a plan. Right. And if you have a plan, we want to work it into the budget, whatever that amount that you need to give mom or dad or aunts, uncles, whoever it is. Let's get out of ahead of it and plan for it in your life. And what that will allow you to do is know, all right, I've set I don't have to worry. I've set this much aside that every month, every year I'm helping my family with and outside and you have that discussion with them. This is what I've got. It's budgeted for me. This is what I have. Outside of that, I don't have any more to do it with, right? So you now you're being proactive rather than reacting to people coming to you for money and not really realizing how much you're spending or how much is going back, going out. You've budgeted and allotted that amount, and now you can manage it much better, right? It's never going to be perfect. You you know you'll have you'll have people who want more or you know come to you with stories about why they need more and that kind of thing. But 
if we budgeted it, you've got a lot more chance of being successful in managing it all rather than when you're not knowing what's going out the door and just feeling like, oh, it's just a thousand dollars or just, oh, it's just a hundred dollars. You don't realize how often that happens. So if we want, if we need to do it weekly, monthly, yearly, however you want to allot it, let's talk about it. How much realistically do you want to give? Um, how often do you want to give? And then let's budget for it and go from there. So we have a plan rather than just reacting to things as they come. But that is, that is very real. And, um, it's something that, you know, it's something that you really have to work on and, and people will have the best intentions, but will wind up feeling guilty and, and not taking care of themselves because they're taking care of everybody else, everybody else. And then, you know, they're left with nothing. So that's certainly a situation we want, we, we want to work with them to try to avoid. Absolutely. I know one thing that, that coaches were really happy about, I don't know, Igor, how, how long ago did they pass the unlimited meals and unlimited snacks? Was that four years ago? Or three. Yeah, I think it was five years ago. Five, okay. I, I mean, it, recently, yeah, within the last half decade. So coaches really liked that because it meant that players were going to be around the facility a lot more, right? And if any coach you talk to, they always want their guys around the facility like 24 hours a day because they can be a nanny state and kind of monitor them all the time. It also helps to foster, you know, closeness of team culture, good things. But I was just thinking as we were talking, financially, if you can express these guys – how smart it is to take advantage of free meals, right? And how much extra money you save as opposed to eating out. Like that's, that's got, I, I assume that's a point of the talk, right? It is, it is. I, I would, I would, if I didn't know better, but I, I think you were in my talk, um, <laughs> the points you're hitting. Um, because that is one of the things I talk about. So I do a, when I'm helping them understand where they are now, we do, um, we factor in what they get, their Pell Grant money, their, their, I think it's MIA money, their room and board, and we add all that up and divide it over a school year. And then on one side, we take, I've already figured out what that corresponds to in like a pre-tax salary. So I'll show them a pre-tax salary that, that corresponds to what they bring in. And they think I'm crazy when I say it at first. And then when I break it down and I show, all right, on, from the pre-tax salary, you've got, you know, Social Security tax, XYZ tax, you got to pay for health care, medical care. The, the pre-tax money always comes out to be a couple hundred dollars more than their, um, what they're bringing in. So they'll see, well, you know, the, they'll notice the difference and they'll say, see, it's not the same, it's not the same. And then I say... The difference is about $250, but there's one thing in the real world that they have that people have to, that have to they have to pay for that you don't, and that's food. And I say, do you think you probably eat more than $250 worth of food from this facility <laughs> every month? I'd venture to say you probably eat a lot more than that. So that's where I make up the difference. So I do address that point because. Out, you know, and, and you can attest, you know, as well as anyone, I'm sure people spend a lot of money on food in their oh, everyday yeah. life, right? We're busy. A lot of people, you know, less and less people cook. They order meal prep. They eat fast food. They spend, that money can add up. So if those guys can take advantage of eating as many meals as possible at that facility, that is a ton more money that they, get to, they can save monthly that otherwise would be going out the window. And most of those dudes, I would just say on average, 18-year-old dudes do not cook, 
uh, probably very well. And if they do cook, it's like <laughs> macaroni and cheese, you know, PBJ. Yeah. Yeah, boiling water, basically. What do you think the player gets out of this the most, right? Like, like as far as their like immediate life change, it, it's got to be the budgeting, right? Just say, hey, like I need to actually sit down and think about what I'm doing here. And are, are you seeing progress as a group too? Like, like when they come back to you, I, I think you'll have fewer guys whose budgets are just totally out of whack, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. You do see progress and you see individual progress. And it's like, it's like a domino effect, right? Once you stack a good habit, right. And you see a little progress. Well, you know what, you want to go to the next level and you see that it's possible. So one thing that I think the guys get out of it is hope or seeing that where they came from doesn't have to dictate their future. So one of the things I tell the guys is, you know, everyone, to the, they come in and the NFL is the goal, right? The, the NFL, the NFL, that's what, from your time you were a kid, you want to get to the NFL. And we know the realities of how long the NFL lasts and how many people make it. And I try to tell them, I try to reframe the goal and say, this is the goal, right? The goal is here, being at an institution like this, because the NFL is, potentially not for long or not going to happen for, you know, for some of you guys, it will, but no matter what your background is, where you came from, you are now in this building of higher learning where you have resources, where you can take advantage of meeting, making connections, meeting people. So you've gotten to the, you've gotten to the destination. So what I'm trying to do is whether that next stop on that destination is the NFL or, or whatever it might be, whatever that next stop is, it's going to require money. And my goal is to try to teach you how to best manage that and be prepared for that. And I think that really resonates with, with them. And, and I think once you realize, once I, once I help them understand what they're getting now, and they can start to shift the mindset into, hey, I'm not just passing time as a poor student athlete until I get to the NFL, like I can set myself up now with the habits that are going to prepare me, potentially give me a head start in life. I think they're really appreciative about that. And that feeling, that feeling becomes addictive. So I'll have guys that call and say, Oh, you know, I, I saved this much or, you know, I got this much in my account. And that, that is the goal is to help them feel just like, you want them to have success on the football field and be excited about coming back out to practice the next day because they had some success the day before. The same thing I want them to do with their money. You know, they had success when their last check came in in terms of saving and being wise with it. And they so they want to do even better on the, on the, when the next check comes in. So I think that's what a lot of, a lot of the guys are learning. You ever had any players at uh, Florida state or anywhere else that have uh, contacted you or asked you questions, not necessarily about working like for you, but uh, that have kind of had an interest in the industry in general from going through this process and uh, kind of just getting a broader idea as to what's out there and maybe that that's a possible destination for them? I have. I have um, three three guys currently. I actually had a conversation over the weekend with a player on our team um, who is a freshman and, I mean, is all about learning this and thinks this is what they might want to do. So I've had three or four who have, who have been serious and they say, Hey man, like what you do seems really, really cool. 
Mm-hmm. And I potentially want to do it. I want to potentially want to do it when I'm done playing, whenever that might be. So yeah, there's there's three or four guys on the current team who I've had those conversations with. We've talked about potentially um, setting them up with internships or looking at if they can intern, you know, um, when their time's done or or how how that would best work for them. I'm out uh, on my uh, on my question sheet. You got anything else? No, man. I think that was great. I really appreciate your time. That's uh, probably its own episode. You? Yeah, it is. Uh, this has gone better than uh, better than all that we could have hoped for. And uh, fantastic information. Awesome. Great to get your perspective and uh, really appreciate your time tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. And if you could throw in my Twitter handle or something on there when you're promoting it, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Didier, just, uh, just just spell it out for me on the uh, in audio form, too, on, on the show. I know a lot of people listen on their phones so that they, they can pull it up. So, yeah, on Twitter, I am at at D-I-D-I-E-R-O-C-C-I-D-E-N-T. So it's at DDA Occident on Twitter. And Fantastic. DDA Occident 32.